This episode of Wishers Breakaway is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. Stickers to the Patreon subscribers are getting shipped out very soon. And if you want to get on the action, you should join today at patreon.com slash Breakaway. Go to patreon.com slash Breakaway. Sign up, support the podcast, get the Let's that Let's Get That Bread sticker, the Wrestling Booch Face sticker, and also, the Martin Van Buren Met sticker that I once called the GM. Uh, and if, also, if you're interested, on April 13th, Greg and I will be hosting an end-of-season QA session in Manhattan, New York. Tickets will be available on our Twitter at Bushroots Break, and I'll probably put the link also in the description of this podcast. We'll be doing an end-of-season Q&A. Might have some athletic people there. Might have some Nick's Wall people there. We'll see. Uh, and it will be at a speakeasy in New York City. Should be a fun time on a Saturday afternoon, April 13th. Okay, let's get to the podcast. Here we go. Hey, Bushwick Breakaway fans. Welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. The only thing mm-hmm. more overrated than Bryce Harper. Oh, back to the back to the well. I didn't know we were doing two weeks in a row, but go on. The only thing more overrated than Bryce Harper, every St. Patrick's Day parade in existence. And you know what? You know what? I'll take it one, one step further. Parades. All of them. Okay, uh, Macy's Day Parade, definitely overrated, 100%. The only parade I will accept are, like, your team just won a title parade. I think, here's my, here's my take. If you're between the ages of 18 and 25, or you're above 50, St. Patty's Day Parades are awesome. Because you just don't give a mm. shit, and you're getting drunk. Right now, I'm, I, was, I saw St. Patty's, I avoided four or five St. Patty's Day Parades, like, no problem. Just totally. Separate. I want. I. I would. I, Eighteen to twenty-five. You would say. Well, I guess I'd you're not drinking at twenty-two. So, so I'd say 21. as soon as you're twenty-two, you're out of parades. I definitely got like, drunk at my hometown St. Patty's parade from like twenty-three to twenty-six. Hundred percent. I'm not gonna lie, Ryan. That sounds a little sad. It was a great day. I mean, we're gonna drink. It's, we're gonna drink for fourteen hours this Saturday, so I think it's pretty similar. Saturday. I'm going to drink for 14 hours starting on Thursday, like every day. Yeah, I'm aware of this. I might not have it in me to do Saturday. Uh, well, I will only be doing Saturday as I am working and all that, and I'll be up Saturday. No one cares about this. The Rangers! Actually, to be honest, there's not a lot to talk about with the New York Rangers, but we're here to do it. Um, I read an interesting article today, and I kind of wanted to open up with this. Did you happen to read the Down Goes Brown piece on The Athletic, a website that does not sponsor this podcast anymore? You know, the funny thing, are you talking about his power rankings today? I am, yes. I was talking about that. The funny the funny thing is, uh, I used to read Down Goes Brown all the time when he was on Grantland because it was fantastic. And it was, it was hockey coverage on a site that ESPN never has really been known for their hockey coverage, right? Uh, so never. Down Goes Brown provided a, a humorous slant to hockey coverage that I really greatly enjoyed. And then I thought to myself today, I – since he's been at the athletic, I don't know if I've read a ton of his stuff, and I used to love his stuff. So, just out of the blue, I decided I did decide to read his power rankings. Oh, that's interesting. So you know where I'm going with this. At the end yes, of the, it, the Rangers being the the team just outside the bottom five. The well, just the additional notes. Uh, he he said, Ranger fans, seriously help me out here. I don't. I'm not reading this. This is this is not verbatim. Uh, was it worth it? What was this year like for you? What what is the recap of this season? Because you weren't bad enough. To be 
the top pick team, and you're sitting right outside of the top five, but you're still, like, sort of good. And I've kind of been strangling on this all day because, obviously, Henrik Lundqvist, uh, we have 13 you, loser points. You, I just – you've been strangling on this all day. I, like, That's the word you decided to use. <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been trying to kill this point, but I just can't seem to kill it. Is where I'm going. God damn it. That's that's a bad one. Anyway, uh, looking for a new job if anyone wants to hire me. Were you were you going for struggling? Like, I'm trying to think of the I, word you were actually going for. I think I was going for struggling, and my brain was like, I want to strangle this very quickly. Because I'm very frustrated single. with this. Ryan Mead, very single, everybody. Very in single, case in case you're wondering. Know. Yeah, a single man, a single boy. One of those um, two. I, I read it, and there was a part of me that wanted to slide into the comments and be like, to respond to it, really? On one hand, this season has kind of gone exactly how I thought it would go, right? We talked about how the Rangers were never going to be bad enough to be the worst team in the NHL. That's great. There's, we're not saying this team is chock full of talent, but we're saying there was there was enough here plus Henrik Lundqvist where this team was always going to be competitive, and they have been, to their credit. Uh, at the same time, we we use this year again. I, we've said it. I, I think I need to put a penny in the chart every time I say it now, right? Mm-hmm. We wanted this season to be about answering questions. So the real question at the end of the day, which we're going to have to answer in less than a month, is did the New York Rangers answer enough questions this year to make it all worth it? Um, let's review what they've answered. Mika's advantage is a top-line center. Cool. Check. Yep, check that one off. Uh, Brady Shea is a top-four defenseman you can build around. Check. Sure. Uh, Tony D'Angelo is a bona fide NHL defenseman. Yep. Check. Pavel Buchnevich. Uh, Pavel Buchnevich is a bona fide top nine, at least top six, more likely forward. Check. Chris Kreider, leader of men. Check. Question mark? I think that's uh, maybe still a question. I. I think the conversations we were having about Chris Kreider around the trade deadline answered a lot of questions for us, right? The fact that we were having those conversations. I think the captaincy is there, but back. he's been obviously disappeared in the second I, half. But I don't. I really. I don't want. We'll get to this. I, I, okay. I'll remind me to come back to Chris Kreider and captaincy. I'm sure we'll as soon we'll as we start him. doing all these checks. Sure. Um, Philip Heedle can hang for a whole season in the NHL. Can we check that off? Um. Yeah, we could check I, that. I'd say. Yeah, I'm not saying he's going to be a bona fide star, but I think sometimes we overlook the importance of a young NHL player simply surviving an entire NHL season. And Hedl was able to do that. Uh, and then the answers that we don't have, uh, the questions we don't have answers to, Leah Sanderson, what's his long-term role in the NHL? We still don't know. Um, do the Rangers have enough able-bodied defensemen currently within their own system that they can start – Focusing on other areas no. they need to focus on. No. 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 God, uh, no. It's I think the Rangers have answered the bulk of the questions we would want them to answer. But at the same time, it does feel like the one lingering question, the defense, is so important to this team's future that it's hard to call this season a complete success. So at the same time. We learned a lot about David Quinn this year, too, and I would say most of the things we learned about David Quinn seem positive. They do, Uh, and I'm actually about to get to that right now. Uh, This is something that I was talking to one of our good friends, Dan, about today. So we were talking about it and just talk. I'm I'm Phil Simmonsing it. Fuck, sorry. Pretty much we were saying that if we should have tanked harder, right? The team should have been worse. 
But let's say, because we had 13 loser points, which is a lot, and you and I both hate the loser point. It's been very clear. It's absolutely terrible. Let's say we only win, like, we only get six of those loser points. Like, somehow we lose those games, right? Then we're in the we're in the fourth spot where the Devils are now instead of the sixth where we are currently. You know what the, the math difference is between those two spots? It's truly not a lot. Because the Devils have a 28.8% chance currently to get a top three and a 9.5% chance to get the top one. Where the Rangers right now are 5% less to get a top three and 2% less to get a top one. So seriously, like, I would rather, the more I thought about this, I would rather have had the season we had where we answered a lot of questions, where we showed we were a tough team, that we could hang with competitive teams, that we bring teams to the wire, and that we actually developed a lot than to have the season the Devils had, where they had a four, an MVP last year and totally fell off the fucking cliff, and the rest of their team is pretty much talentless. Uh, so I'd much rather be in the spot we are, with 2% less chance to get Kako Kako or, or use than where the Devils are any day of the week this this whole week, pretty much. Because there's no way we were going to be worse than Ottawa, no matter what we did. That's, that was never happening. Yeah, I. it's hard to – the loser point sucks, and it's terrible. And the NHL – if the NHL was smart, they'd just adopt the three-point system and bring back ties. Because there's there really is no – who the fuck cares about a shootout? Who really cares about a shootout? No one gets jazzed that a game is going to a shootout. I think fan, it's ridiculous. No, people don't get jazzed, but but fans and casual fans like to go to a game where people win. And I think we need to get over that. I don't that. think that's true anymore. I think that was true once upon a time, but I don't know, man. Soccer is such a prominent part of the U.S. marketplace now. I just feel like draws take on different definitions. As long as the problem, in my mind back when the the NHL decided to get rid of ties, it wasn't the fact that it was that ties so closely resembled the win. A one-point difference is, at the end of the day, not that much. But if you adopt the three-point system, all of a sudden you have teams that either desperately need the two extra points or see the value in going for the two extra points, especially if they're a team just on the outside of the playoff picture. Just doesn't because seem that no hard of a system to like really grasp. It's not that hard. It's so it's so easy. It's I I don't understand why we don't do it. We like I said, it's right there for you in plenty of professional sports that are not just casually watched in the U.S. anymore, but have multi-million size audience. I would say I'd go so far to say NBC Sports right now probably cares more about their Premier League package than they do their NHL package. Uh, I don't think that's a hot take. Is that hot? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I mean, just see the quality of the analysts they put out for hockey against the quality of analysts they put out for soccer. It's Isn't Steve close. Nash on the hockey one? I mean, the, the no, he's he's with Turner. Oh, he's he with Turner. Champions okay, League. yeah. Well, yeah. it's it's uh, the hockey coverage in the in the United States has gone downhill in the last five years. I would say no. I don't think it's gone downhill in the last five years. It's just coverage of every other sport has gotten really good, and hockey hasn't. I don't have so a go to for a hockey. Like show or writer, really? I don't know of a, I don't know of a show personally that exists that I truly care about. Because because um, sometimes I'll turn on MLB Network just like for kicks. That's kind of fun, just turning it on. There's like there's no like obviously inside the NBA. There's like a million good NBA shows. It's like ridiculous. Obviously, there's a ton of good football shows, especially on ESPN because they have the partnership. If you really care about football, 
hockey like uh, uh, well the the other good news about baseball is there's a there's a game every day as soon as the season starts yeah so you don't really need a show to go to to fill the gap between times where a game is on like every team almost plays every day it's very rare where every team has a day off hockey there are some days where there's two games on one of them might be fucking Coyotes Canucks. I'm not going to give a shit about Coyotes Canucks. Yeah, I can't there's, find my way to care about Coyotes Canucks. No, so you're right. There's there's no there's a lot of empty space that the NHL chooses to sit out or just make rather uninteresting. I I I can't think of one show on the NHL network that I've ever been like, oh, this is fun. Most of the time, they're not even having shows on. They're just playing replays of games, and. It, there's just no value in that. No, there not is. anymore. Not when I could go on YouTube and watch whatever the fucking game I want. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Any game of all yeah, time. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how we got here. We were talking about did the rain, did Sean Ma- uh, down goes Browns. Wow. Oh, Greg, I lost my voice. Greg, are you okay? By the way. <laughs> oh, no. you did in general. Yeah, I, I, I lost my voice on Saturday. I don't even know what I was yelling at or where I was yelling, but apparently I lost my voice. Okay. Um, so you, Crazy but can you you can too. you can confirm you were yelling? I can't even confirm that. I didn't Jesus. think I was, but at the same time, we both know I'm a loud person. Yes, we do. So if I'm just talking for really long periods of time without stopping, okay, that results in me losing. My well, life. I look forward to next Monday's podcast. Yeah, well, it's gonna be worse then. That's yeah. Um, yeah. It was this season worth it for the New York Rangers? Is is the overlying theme? Of this week's podcast. Did and they go far enough? And the answer is yes for me. It just well, they, they did. They went forward. They definitely went forward, all while being bad enough where they're gonna have a shot at adding a significant talent in this year's draft. So the the bare minimum requirements were met for our season. So we no matter what happens, we can't call it anything but successful. At the same time, it's probably like a like a, a low B, like an 83. Yeah. Like was, you're just a little bit better than a B minus. Because the trade, like you didn't destroy your trades, right? The, the trades were exactly what we expected. And if they're exactly what we expected, is that good enough? Yeah, it's good, but it's not great. So yeah, B. I think uh, the development process for most of the players went quite well. Uh, another year of Henrik Lundqvist, been now, now in his 37th year on earth. Uh, obviously, that is a little tough to handle and struggle with. Uh, we're going to see him grow old and ticket prices to Hank's last game are going to be like $7,000 for the upper bowl. So that'll be very good. But the New York Rangers in general, I would say did an okay job. They did great, but not amazing. But to, to not great to, good, not great. I would even say, uh, cause is it great to, to, we called all this at the beginning of the season. I don't want to tutor horn. I think if we go back and listen, maybe we're wrong, but we pretty much mapped out how the season would go and it went exactly that way for the most part. Yeah. I, I just, I would, I'd stop with calling it great because again, outside of Shay, D'Angelo and Shattenkirk, there just haven't been any in- answers defensively. And while Heedle definitely seems to be trending in the right direction, we don't have a firmer foothold on what Leas Anderson's going to be. No, we don't. And while that's not a bad thing, this should have been one of those years where we figured that out a little bit more clearly, and we didn't. Um, so I like I those those two things are significant, but they don't overshadow everything else. 
So it's, yeah, I, I, I'd, I would stop short of calling it great. Like great, I would consider somewhere in the 90s. Like I would give the season an A. But for me, it's very firmly a uh, Uncle Becky B, where someone's going to have to give a little bit more money for me to get into an Ivy League school. Oh, nice joke. <laughs> that took me a second. I was like, what? Because I, I didn't watch Full House Thank ever. You. Thank you. Um, all right. I, I think that's a totally fair assessment of, of where the Rangers stand. They had a successful season in my eyes. And we'll see where they move in the offseason. The offseason really where, where things really kick up. I mean, you saw that James Dolan had an interview. Uh, and you know what? Let's just get out of the way. I think James Dolan's a great owner for the Rangers. <laughs> I don't... What it, if you're a Ranger fan and you don't care about the Knicks, like you don't give a shit at all about the Knicks, which is you, I think, Greg. Like, what is? Uh, what? I, I I I don't get upset about the Knicks. I but I I don't let the I, Knicks that wasn't ruin a call out. It was just trying to use you as an example. That's all. Yeah, I don't let the Knicks ruin my day. That's fine. Can you say as a Ranger fan that Dolan has done anything bad to your team? No, because even. The things people get angry about with Dolan's Rangers ownership, I think, is giving too much control to Glenn Sather. At the same time, I'd rather give too much control to a guy like Glenn Sather than give too much control to a guy like Phil Jackson or or just be Eugene Melnick. Yes, Dolan uh, in, in in hockey realms. No, it, it also helps that there really aren't. Until recently, there haven't been that many smart GMs, period. Mm-hmm. So our GM, also stupid, but at least he wanted to spend money and always compete. Dolan's always so spent rather... money. He's always competed. And when it, he obviously signed off on this rebuilding deal, like, and knowing, 100%. knowingly, like, let's not kid ourselves. When teams rebuild, they lose money. They just do. Now, maybe the Rangers right. don't, but they definitely did. And that's, As, that's not that's taking money out of his pocket, which he has a ton. I'm no, you don't need to cry for James Dolan. You don't at all. But he went as a business plan and was like, yeah, I'm cool with rebuilding because I want to be good. We want to win a cup. That's our only goal. And he said on the Michael K show this week, you know, we're looking to open up the bank this summer and get some free agents. And pretty much said like Artemi Panarin's name without even saying it. Yeah, and as a fan of the New York Mets, a team historically run by ownership that forgets they play in the New York City market, I don't have a problem with owners making mistakes by spending money as long as they continue to spend money. And of all the things you can say about James Dolan, he's never gotten cheap. He never closed the pocketbook. It's always been open. It's never been closed. I mean, even when there was no salary cap, it was always open, no matter what happened. Yeah, so if... If you were a Rangers fan and put your head under a rock with everything James Dolan has ever done to the New York Knicks, I I think you would be shocked to hear of how how incompetent he can be at times. Because in terms of in terms of Rangers world, I don't think you can pinpoint anything outside of maybe ticket prices. But again, That's, yeah. ticket prices are largely set by the market, not so much set by ownership. Like James Dolan only charges two hundred and fifty dollars for lower bowl seats because he can. people pay two hundred and fifty two dollars for lower bowl seats. He can do it. So why would if he? people stop buying those tickets, the ticket prices would go down. So uh I I don't I can't think of one move where I thought to myself, God damn it, I wish we had new ownership. In fact, 
as weird as it would sound, I kind of don't want the Rangers to get a new owner. Is it weird? It's weird, right? Because this is something I've been strangling with all day also. Yeah, I did that one on purpose. Right. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. All right, good. See what you did that yep, time. Thank you. Uh, it's called the callback. It's, I've just been like, do I really dislike James Dolan as a Ranger owner? I don't. I don't. The the banning of fans from the stadium thing was pretty like, okay, whatever. But uh, other- Yeah, and I'm sure New York will respond in a certain way to that. So it's not even something I have to worry about, right? Because yeah, I don't care we're, much. we're a week away from the entire guarding having sell the team shirts on. Yeah, like that's going to happen. Like they'll do my job for me really at that point. But I yeah. don't really want him to do that. He spent money. I mean, the only thing that really – the two biggest gripes I've had since we've had this podcast – Trading for Eric Stahl, but it just didn't make sense. But I guess that was still going in. I'm not trading Keith Yandel at the trade deadline. And those are my two biggest gripes. But other than that, that's not on James Dolan. I think he's he's like, okay, we had a four-year cup run. We, he was ready to go. He's ready to spend money. He's ready to sign people to try and make it happen. And then... Didn't, oh, I, do, didn't I do think part of it is... I think part of it is with Dolan and the Rangers, too, is... I think Dolan will be the first one to tell you he doesn't know that much about hockey. I think the problem with James Dolan is he thinks he knows a lot about basketball. Like he's a genuine fan of basketball. So he thinks he knows like we we criticize people all the time who are armchair quarterbacks the day after stuff or Twitter GMs and shit like that. Yep. The problem is James Dolan is a Twitter GM who has billions upon billions of dollars. And owns a team. And owns a team. And maybe maybe the worst part about James Dolan is the basketball mind he's always trusted the most for whatever reason is an incompoop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's an incompoop. One of the best basketball uh, players of all time just can't, you know, think about basketball. Yeah, some guy, sometimes, guys, it doesn't translate. It's like Derek Jeter owning the Marlins. You really think it's going to translate? Because I sure don't. I don't either. Um, yeah, so it's, it's difficult because you could criticize James Dolan maybe for putting so much faith in Glenn Sather. At the same time, I'd much rather complain – about a front office that's being too aggressive and trying to win all the time and trading first round picks when they think they're being competitive rather than I'd much rather be a fan of the Columbus Blue Jackets this year than a fan of the Colorado Avalanche. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, yes, the Colorado Avalanche have a young core, but there was a window for the Avalanche to push their chips a little bit further in and make a run this year with the year McKinnon is having with the year Ratton is having with the draft pick, just war chest that they had. If the Colorado Avalanche really wanted to make a move and really wanted to make noise in the playoffs this year, they could have done it and they didn't. And that's no fun. The Blue Jackets know that they have a window and they, they could have done one of two things. They could have blown up the window, closed it themselves and restarted, or they, they fucking pushed their chips all in. Oh, I'd much rather be a Blue Jacket fan this year than the Avalanche. Absolutely. Maybe ne- now next year, that's going to be different uh, for sure. It's because the, At the same time, fucking t- take your swing when you can take it, man. Because if anything, if anything has been proven, and I know we were talking about, uh, we're going to Chris Simmons it again. Uh, Phil Simms. Yeah, Chris, Chris Simms. The quarterback okay. for the well, Buccaneers. Uh, Chris Simms is Phil Simms' son, so it's all in the family. Okay. Um, but we're, we're the, the ringer right now is doing rewatchables on some of the most memorable playoff games or regular season games of all time. And today they dropped one the 2013 NFC championship game between the 49ers and the Seahawks. And it's crazy to think about how great that game was. And within a year, Jim Harbaugh wasn't the 49ers head coach anymore. 
Within two years, Colin Kaepernick wasn't a quarterback in the NFL anymore. Within three years, Patrick Willis was retired. Within three years, Navarro Bowman was gone from that defense. That entire team changed in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's about knowing when to take a fucking swing. Oh, and sports are more interesting when your team takes the fucking swing. And again, as, as much shit as we can give James Dolan, he's often allowed the Rangers to take as many swings as they want. And I think at a certain time, you have to take a step back and reflect on how rare that is, that an owner is just willing to always keep pushing his chips. It's, it is a rarity thing. And I, I, you know what? I, and I, I'll be the only person to say nice things about James Dolan. Thank you for being our owner. And, and hire us. And hire Bush to break away. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, just I'm just saying, if you guys hate James Dolan, the Wilpons are sitting around. You can understand what that misery is like for a little bit longer. Yeah, have a good time with that. Mets uh, opening season in 12 days. Fun times. I will say, it, uh, this is going to be the Met. We're Met. getting close to baseball season. So Welcome to the Met Minute. Uh, it does feel like Pete Alonso is going to break camp with the New York Mets, which is kind of cool. That would be cool because I saw the uh, Mickey Calloway quote. He's one of the best 25, not a question. So it's true. Yeah. He's and very also, good. When, you think, when you think about it, what we're really arguing about this spring for two weeks is how much should the Mets care about 31-year-old Peter Alonso? My answer? Probably not that much. You probably pay him before. Probably just let the 24-year-old play right now. Yep, probably. Sounds like a good idea. Uh, where was I going next? We have some five-star questions. Do you want to do those real quick? We have one, actually. Sure. And then I guess we should also talk about John Gilmore because he got called up today. I guess we should. Though I guess we can, we can save that we can save that for our interview. That sounds good. Brandon Cohen, formerly of Blue Line Station uh, site editor, will be joining us in a few moments. But I have a uh, two quick qu- one's a question, one's a statement. The average Kahuna says great middle six guy, and he says it in a Greg voice. Five star question, long time listener, for first time opinion voicer. You guys talk a lot about how Vladdy Strom and Quickie are great middle six guys. But definitely not top six guys. I'm no Stephen Hawking, but pretty sure the second line fits into both those categories. Can you elaborate? I can elaborate, actually. To me, a middle six guy means if a two-week injury pops up, I'm totally okay with this player being on my second line, and I don't feel like the team is taking a significant step backwards. However... I don't want that same player playing 80 plus games in high leverage situations. Correct. So in I, that guy, go on, Greg. I was going to say just that guy to me lives on your third line for most of the season, but you're not worried when for a five game stretch, he's getting second line minutes or you, get, you don't freak out about, it. or they get hot. So for example, in the Tampa Bay series uh, in the Easter conference playoffs, the Jesper Fast Machine got very hot, and he was played on the second line during that series. So, and he was—you're not that scared when Jesper's on the on the second line because he's a reliable guy. So that's totally fine. He says, uh, "Is the is there a difference between these guys on the second line on a bad team, but the third line a good team, or is this just some Matthew McConaughey interstellar level math that I can't repre- uh, can't comprehend?" P.S. Rest in peace, Stephen Hawking. P.P.S. Matt's last name is shockingly hard to spell. P.S.S.S. Interstellar sucked. A lot there. A lot there from uh, the average Kahuna. Interesting. Uh, first of all, I kind of enjoyed Interstellar, but I haven't rewatched it since I saw it in theaters. So maybe it doesn't 
like once you know the twist, maybe it doesn't hold up as well as I still, I'm thinking it would. Never seen it, so don't say it. Uh, and McConaughey is hard to spell, but I can't spell anything. All right, all right, all right. All anyway, right, all right, all right. Uh, I don't, I don't. I mean, there definitely is a difference between being a second line guy in a bad team and a third line guy in a good team. But to me, when I say middle six, I, I think that's pretty universal. I think a good hockey team would want Jesper Foss playing the same role an ideal Rangers team would have him playing, which again is really high energy third line guy. And if he's on a run, you don't have that many fears pushing him up and giving him a little bit more ice time. But at the end of the day, his best ideal, most team fitting role is probably playing minutes equivalent to a third line hockey player. And that's just what I think of middle six is like, like, Yes, there are times where Chris Kreider plays on the same line as Jesper Foss. Which one are you more comfortable keeping on that line? Chris Kreider. Yes. That makes Chris Kreider a top six guy. And that makes Jesper Foss much more flexible. I think that's a pretty easy concept now that we've explained it. Uh, The other one is great podcast from Alphabet89. Great podcast, guys. I've been a Ranger fan since 1985, and I live and die with this team. I am so sorry, Alphabet89. Keep doing a great job, and let's go Rangers. Thank you for listening. That's all. Uh, If you want to leave a five-star question for us, it's very easy. You go to the iTunes machine on your computer machine, and you leave a five-star review and ask put a question in there, or say something nice, and we'll read it on air. Thanks so much. Um, Do we want to go to Brendan? I suppose that would make the most time... Most of our time to do that right now. That's correct. Let's go over to Brendan Cohen. Uh, we'll be talking about John Gilmore. We'll probably talk about refereeing in some recent games and some other fun stuff. Here we go. Transition. Back with a reoccurring guest, Boob McKenzie on Twitter, Poet <coughs> Laureate, Brendan Cohen. Brendan, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. you Glad can, to be back. It's good to have you back. Uh, of course, we were pining to get you, and you just pushed out your busy schedule to come on Bushwick's Breakaway, and we thank you for that. Of course. Yeah, my very, very schedule. Yes, of course. Uh, some of the topics we'll be talking about today is uh, something with John Gilmore being called up, and along with Chris Kreider and Brendan Lemieux, Lemieux actually um, having penalties that are probably bullshit against them, and I'm sure you have some stuff to bring up with us, too. What are your uh, your quick thoughts on, on the refing uh, incidences of Chris Kreider being kicked out of a game and Brendan Lemieux having someone run into him and him being put into a five-minute major also it's been a lot i mean i think the Kreider penalty i wouldn't have called that a major but i get why they did especially because of how big and fast Kreider is he kind of just threw his arm back and because he's such a big guy it just knocked out petterson but i i just don't think that's quite a major but i i, I get it like it's especially at the speed of the game and everything the refs were just trying to get control of the uh the action and it's also such a important player in Pedersen they probably felt a little pressure in that sense but the Lemieux I I just don't get it from any angle the thought I had at the moment was Lemieux and uh, Roussel had been going at it all game so they might have just looked at it and said here's our opportunity to get that taken care of but that's not how you police a hockey game especially considering it was not even Lemieux's fault at all. Like, it's not even like he hit him. He got hit into him. Yes. So that one, and then that fact that that one wasn't even rescinded, if I'm correct, I don't ever took that one back like they did with the Zabanajad one a 
little bit ago. That's crazy to me. That, there's no way you can look at a replay of that and think he was purposely trying to hurt him. Yeah, it's been a weird year for – I mean, it's always a weird year for the de- Department of Player Safety because they really have no fucking idea what they're doing. Um, but it does seem like – obviously, I'm not watching every team's game every night, so I, I can't say these things are only happening to the Rangers. But there have been a lot of nights where I'm thinking to myself about just how poor the refereeing is. And I know it's, it's, it's so easy to shit on refs because if something's not going your way, it's a neutral party to blame and it, it, it shifts blame from other players. But usually I'm pretty good about identifying when the Rangers are playing like shit and just when bad calls are being made. And it does feel like something about this season, the bad calls, if they're not more prevalent, they're definitely accentuated. They're much more noticeable. Yeah, I liked uh, Quinn's quote on that. The Rangers lead the league in apologies. That was a great line from him. Um, It's just this whole season, I feel like across the board, refs are just making some strange calls. You You don't eject a player unless it's a really bad thing that's happened, and neither of them were really that bad. I mean, both times the player got banged up, but I just think the the refs are just calling a lot or they're calling nothing. And it's the lack of consistency. It's one game. You'll have every single penalty is called the next game. The calls. And I don't think the coaches, the players know anything about what's going on anymore. I don't think anyone really knows what's a penalty, what's offsides. There's so many different rules that are just up in the air and being called differently by different refs. So the league could certainly use to get everyone on the same page get the refs on the same page. Cause I don't think one ref to the other calls it the same way. No, yeah, I know how much, I know how fun and easy it is for all of us to pile on Tom Wilson, but I will never forget the fact that Evgeny Malkin legitimately tried to decapitate a human being and he <laughs> didn't miss a month of the NHL season. That's true. Yeah. Uh, uh, I would say just to, to piggyback off what you said, Brandon, I didn't really see the Chris Kreider need to throw him out of the game. Obviously, he's a big goofy buffoon, uh, and I don't. I didn't see it as malicious intent. And the Lemieux call was absolute bullshit. And I, I was happy we lost the game due to Tankathon. But at the same time, like I don't want to lose like that. that. That was just truly miserable. And then that whole game was out of reach as soon as that both those things happened. So it wasn't even a competitive game. Not that any of the Ranger games have been competitive as of recently. Oh, yeah. I, at the point Lemieux was ejected, I was kind of hoping they would get a couple more players ejected just to, like, break a record. Because at that point, the game's out of hand. You just want to, like, have something fun happen. That was a very dull game. Brandon, I feel like one thing you and I agree on, and now that we're talking about the Canucks game, it feels like a good place to talk about it. Remind me, I, I feel like we agreed on this. It was really easy for people to pile on the coaching staff and – say, Leah Sanderson should have gotten more playing time in that game. because We agreed on this, I think yes. Yeah, he got less than 10 minutes. The Rangers were down two forwards. And everyone was like, oh, it's a perfect example of why Leah needs more playing time. Yeah, I just don't care about Leah Sanderson's <laughs> time on ice right now. Nor do I think that's the game you should be getting your prospect who is clearly having a difficult time in the eyes of the coaching staff to assimilate to life in the NHL. I, if, if he's getting eight minutes a night – and he's not impressing the coaches in those eight minutes, they're playing, he's playing with real players. He's not playing with Cody McLeod. So at some point, I'm totally fine. The Rangers taking it super slow and cautious with them. 
Yeah, and besides that, two things I'm thinking are, one, they lost Kreider and Lemieux that game, so odds are his line mates are not going to be the best. It'll probably still be on the fourth line. You throw him in Kreider's spot, see if it works. It probably won't work because he hasn't played with that quality yet and he hasn't really had any time to build chemistry. You're not going to throw him there for, whatever, 20 minutes left of the game and then put him back on the fourth line or scratch him. And the other thing is he hasn't really done anything to show I deserve that playing time. And every button Quinn has pressed in terms of scratching players, limiting their ice time, whether coincidence or not, it's mostly worked. I would say D'Angelo has benefited from that. Every time he's scratched, he comes back, piles up the assists. Heedle, while everyone doesn't want him to ever be scratched, he actively says in interviews he understands why and supports the decision and then comes back and plays well. Every time Buchnevich has missed a game or two or been put on a and scored two goals. Um, and then you just go down the list and it's worked. Nemestikov early in the season, first couple games was terrible. Preseason was terrible. Gets scratched, opens his eyes. And I'd argue he's one of the best players this season which isn't that big of a feat considering how bad the Rangers are, but it's worked. So I'm and I'm also inclined to believe that a player should have to show something to get playing time. You can't just say he deserves playing time because he's a top prospect because that's not making him prove anything, and then he never really has to take his game to the next level. So I was looking at that game, and I just didn't feel like he did anything with his playing time that he had. So why just reward him because two other players happen to get ejected? Yeah, and everything you just said, and I, I, I know you mean this, none of this is us saying that Leah Anderson is a bust. It's all, simply yeah. saying that Leah Anderson right now isn't ready. And that's a very big different difference. He's 20 years old. If it takes him two more years, that's totally fine in my eyes because he's still a young developing hockey player. You don't have to hit your prime at 21 to be successful in the NHL. I am fine with it taking as long as it takes with Leas. We can have the discussion about him not reaching his potential when his entry-level contract is up, and then we have to have that conversation. That's, I think, the earliest we can have that talk. Yeah, and for most of the season, he's been blocked by three centers. Now he's not really blocked, but he's still kind of getting blocked because he still has the banish ad. Heedle if they put him at center, and Howden. So they have enough centers where they can take it very slowly with him, and I think that's what they're doing. They're just very, very along. Right now he's playing with not the best line mates, but he has to show something. I didn't think personally he deserved to make the team out of preseason. I just didn't think he was quite there. And when he's been in the NHL this season, he just hasn't looked that great. That's not to say he's a bust. That's not to say he doesn't have a bright future. But you don't rush him along and rush him into a top spot because that's where you want him to be at this point in his development. That's not what a development coach does. And that's why I think Quinn is doing a good job at what he was hired to do. Everyone knew when he was hired. All right, Brandon, now that we've talked about all that fighting nonsense, let's talk about John Gilmore being called up. What do you expect, if anything, of John Gilmore uh, for this Ranger team in the last 10 games of the season, which I can't even believe, by the way? That's crazy. There's only 10 games left. But I expect he's going to do fine. 
Uh, he's going to play well offensively, good transition game, and I think defensively he's going to leave a lot to be desired. And quite honestly, I think after these 10 games he's done with the Rangers, I think it's a bad sign that they didn't call him up sooner. And the thing I think the most is we're going to have a lot more arguing about who plays on defense. I think we're going to get some strange scratches. Shaddenkirk's probably going to get scratched again here and there. Clayson, we all want it to be Pionk that he scratched, uh, that gets scratched in favor of Gilmore. But I just don't think that's going to happen with the current coaching staff. So from Gilmore specifically, I think we're going to get to see a little more offense from the defense, which will be nice. Maybe that helps out some of the forwards who are struggling a bit. But I think this is a pretty minor thing in the grand scheme of things. I don't think he has much of a future with the Rangers necessarily. Would you be? I agree. Okay, go on. I also, just to add on to Brandon, I'm not convinced he's guaranteed to be in the lineup the last 10 games of the year. I think this might be one of those. Yeah, I think this might be one of those ceremonial. You've had a great season in Hartford. They're not going to the playoffs. You get a little bit more money if we keep you on the roster in the NHL for the rest of the year. So enjoy this four or five week pay bump and then good luck in free agency. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's could be that. I think he'll play tomorrow. I think they'll give him a couple games. And then I think everyone is besides Mark Stahl, anyone could be scratched. Shea's not going to be scratched either, but I think it's just going to be a rotating defensive group and, I don't think he's going to play all 10 games. I don't think he's going to get much ice time in the games he does play. Might get a little power play time, but maybe that's just me hoping. And then I think he's a Connor. I kind of like John Gilmore, and I, I wish he would get more of an addition. I know that I talked about John Gilmore a couple weeks ago when asking why he wasn't called up just yet, and I thought he would be a suitable candidate to be brought up. Obviously, I would have liked Libor Hayek to be here. Uh, unfortunately, he is done for the season. So John Gilmore not getting a chance is a little upsetting to me, but I guess I do agree with you both in the in the fact that he will probably be let go from the New York Rangers in the near future. Yeah, I don't, I think I don't the know. Rangers... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Brandon. I, I think it's very strange how the Rangers evaluate their defensemen because I think who they think Neil Pionk is is who these other defensemen they're not giving chances to are. Like, I think John Gilmore is who they think Neil Pionk is, which is an offense-first defenseman who can control the game. I, I mean, they think Pionk can play defense for some reason, which I don't understand, considering every time he's on the ice, it's a disaster. But if you put Gilmore with a Mark Stahl, maybe, he can kind of counteract Stahl's inability to hold the puck, can make some plays offensively, can get help, can help with the transition game play a little power play, then you get someone else on the PK where you don't have to put Pionk's spot there. It's just a way better look for the defense. But I think the Rangers just look at these players who get off to a quick little start and then they just fall in love with them. Pionk scored some points last year and then now suddenly he's this two-way defenseman who's probably going to get an extension. I just don't really trust the organization to evaluate defensemen at all. So I think Gilmore is a talent. I think he has a spot in the NHL. I think when he eventually is let go by the Rangers, he'll get picked up somewhere else. But I don't trust the Rangers to actually do that themselves, give him the chance, really. I agree and I disagree. I agree with you where I don't think any of us are in a position to give the Rangers any kind of faith when it comes to uh, properly evaluating defensemen. 
I also disagree that John uh, – let me see. What's the best way to put this? Uh, I don't think John Gilmore is that great. Uh, I think he's a very effective, very good, very strong AHL defenseman. I don't necessarily think that will either translate to the NHL or mean he's going to be solid in the NHL. I mean, I, I feel like – and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. You're both big baseball fans. It almost feels like in every other sport when a young-ish guy puts up monster numbers in a lower-level league like the G League, NCAA basketball, um, NCAA football, those guys are viewed as, oh, this is going to translate. This is going to be great. I can name but like four guys right all now. The time, <laughs> yeah, but all the time in, in baseball, I mean, when I, I actually looked these numbers up today because I, I was curious when I was thinking of how to process my John Gilmore thoughts. Ryan, I'm sure you've heard of this guy. Brandon, you may have as well. Does the name Mike Hessman ring a bell to either of you guys? It's funny yeah. that it doesn't yeah. actually ring a bell to me. I can't believe this. Go on. I, uh, Mike Hessman I think he was a Tigers is guy. a yeah, power-hitting first baseman who would put up gaudy numbers in the minor leagues every year. In fact, he hit 433 home runs in the minor leagues. What? He, in his career... <laughs> Wait, wait, hold on. Yeah. 433? 433 home runs in the minor leagues. Barry Bonds of AAA. Holy shit. Yes. But in his major league career, he put up exactly 0.1 wins above replacement. He just could never figure it out at the big league level. And I feel like sometimes we see guys who have talent. As long as you have talent, you're going to produce in the AHL. I feel like that's a given. But – we always forget about these quad A guys. And I feel like as soon as someone has a big season in the minors, especially on Hartford, who's been bad for a very long time, we're always quick to say, oh, this guy, this is the guy that needs to get a look. We need to see what he can do. And while the Rangers defense is not exactly one that should prevent a guy from John Gilmore getting a look, I don't necessarily think this means John Gilmore is going to be an NHL regular. I honestly would be hand up. I'd be stunned if John Gilmore – was in a starting role on any NHL team next year. I think at best he's a seventh defenseman. I think a good way to look at him is take Vinny Letary at forward and just pretend he's a defenseman. I think that kind of player, I do agree he's a quad A player. I think he's going to get a role just because there's a lot of untapped. I don't want to call it potential because that makes it sound like he has that much talent, but Uncapped, um, undiscovered what he exactly is. Like, I think a team will be intrigued enough to give him a seventh defensive spot. And I think he's fine. I think he's a fine player. I think possession-wise, he does well. He puts up those points. Give him a few years, he'll be playing in another country. Like, I don't think he's going to be this great long-term piece. But I still think if you're a rebuilding team and you have this player who's putting up points in Hartford and young enough where maybe you can de- develop him, you should take that chance rather than putting a guy out there who's clearly failing over and over again. But in the end, I don't think this is going to matter much one way or the other. It might... At the same time, I do, I do wonder why no other organization wanted to make a move for John Gilmore. I mean, the Rangers traded Cole Schneider. They, I know they made one other AHL trade, and it's just it. I can't think of what it was. Oh, yeah, they traded Peter Holland too. 
They yeah. traded they traded proven, and I think Peter Holland's the same age, if not one year older than John Gilmore. These guys were top six forwards in the AHL that other organizations know succeed in the AHL, yet probably won't make impacts on their NHL rosters at any point. John Gilmore was having a great year before the trade deadline in Hartford. So I, I do wonder why no other organization, even just to bolster their AHL team, didn't want to make a move for John Gilmore. It makes me think. That's all I'm saying. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, maybe the Rangers knew that they were eventually going to give him a chance. I don't think that would be it, but it's a good question. Speaking of the trade... I, oh, go on. Well, my only my only other point is the argument you can make is maybe the Rangers thought they were going to keep Gilmore after the season, but they already went out of their way to... They extended Fogarty and they extended Boo. They already kind of extended their two AHL level quad a level players that were going to be unrestricted free agents come this off season. They didn't do it with Gilmore. So I, I yeah. just, I, it, the more I think about it, the more I, I just, I, I hope Ranger fans aren't expecting there to be something more there with John Gilmore. Cause quite honestly, this is how we all got into this situation with Neil Pionk last year. And I would prefer it if we didn't repeat that process. <laughs> That process stunk. The less Neil Pionk, the better. Sorry, Carly, if you're listening. Yeah, rest in peace, Neil Pionk, I hope, in the future. (laughs) Uh, I want to talk about the trade deadline with you, Brendan, mostly because I fell for one of your tweets is that um, you changed your name to Bob McKenzie, and you tweeted that the Rangers were trading Chris Kreider for our package to the Leafs, and I believed you for about, I don't know, 20 seconds. (laughs) And then I was very angry that it was you when I looked at the profile. Uh, How did you... How did everyone react to you when you were doing that? Because I think most of it was negative. Yeah. So first I changed my uh, name to Bob McKenzie and I tweeted uh, that Kreider had been traded to the Maple Leafs. I saw a couple other people do similar tweets, but they had pretended to be teams. Yes. And that was a little too obvious because people like kind of knew they weren't following the teams or teams would have graphics and stuff. And I don't know how to make graphics. I don't do that kind of stuff. So I figured I know how McKenzie usually tweets his uh, his news, and I kind of figured out like the diction behind it. You did a I great job. Why not throw it out there? And thank you, thank you. It, it's really actually you have to like really get it right because people are going to see how he usually tweets and know if it's like garbage or not. Uh, and then I figured what would a price be and how would the language look, and I put it up there. I kind of just figured why not? It, why, you know, I like to troll people. So yeah. I don't think that's the secret. It's so. not. <laughs> It is not. <laughs> so uh, I put it out there and I got something like 46 replies and zero retweets and two <laughs> favorites. So I got ratioed. <laughs> Fully expected to get ratioed, but I was kind of a little proud of myself to get ratioed. Uh, some people still retweeted me after I changed my name back to my real name, mm. which was very confusing to me. Interesting. Which also happened, I, I did also pretend to be the Blue Jackets at one point. And almost correctly called the uh, Duchesne trade. Like, I tweeted a fake trade and it almost completely came true, which was strange. But I uh, tweeted back to some people while still pretending to be the Blue Jackets. And I, one guy tweeted me in French and I said, sorry, this organization does not speak French. And the guy started apologizing to me and saying how much he appreciated the organization tweeting him. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then I started to feel a little... <laughs> That's when I started to feel a little bad. So that's when I dropped that act. But uh, trade deadline was a lot of fun for me. I 
Expo tweeted a few uh, fake tweets as well because I, I'm just a big believer in people need to learn to check the blue check mark or white check mark now. I think you. I so what you're really doing is fighting fake news, is is what you're saying. I I am at the front line of fighting fake news by creating fake news. Yeah. I guess <laughs> fight fire with I'm a fire hero, has never been more applicable <laughs> yes. than right now. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, I guess that's I guess the only that's way I want to talk about with your trade deadline. It was a real asshole move. I was just so pissed because I was sitting in my hotel room just refreshing Twitter waiting to do the show with Greg. And the Chris Kreider trade came up, and I was like, oh, my fucking God, two years in a row. First McDonough, then Kreider. And I was like, what's the fucking return? And I was freaking out. Uh, and then I saw it was you, and I was very angry. <laughs> and I never, yeah, yeah. never talked to you. I got two separate DMs saying, I hope you don't make it through the deadline. Wow. Which is very nice. <laughs> uh, I have trust issues on Twitter because of Brandon. So every time a trade broke, I waited five minutes to see someone else tweet it first just to make sure it actually happened. <laughs> I'm really sorry for ruining your deadline, but hopefully. No, no, don't ruin it. It, it honestly <laughs> like, lets me preach patience because I do feel like there's a, there's a port. I mean, it's a portion of every Twitter, but specifically Rangers Twitter where it does feel like there's a race to be first and I don't really care about being first. I just care about making the better joke. So yeah, you, and also you giving, you giving me trust issues allowed me to think of stuff and react a little bit better. So props to you. I'm glad I could help. But one of the origins, like one of the reasons behind me doing it, all is also that Rangers fans will not stop retweeting that rumor account run by whoever Fulfill does now. I don't remember what he's doing now. Or sure. what the count name is? Forever, you know what the forever blue shirts. I think about? is what they are now. Yeah, but their rumor account. It's like yeah. Oh no, no, no! no. I know he doesn't something. like me because every time, every time I he he reads his mention. Oh, uh, I don't, I don't at him because I don't want people to know that that's out there. But about around deadline time, usually once a day, I'll be like, I'm not. If anyone retweets this account, it's bullshit. And he'll just see that I tweeted that out and slide into my DMs. He did something this year where he he pretended he's not also forever blue shirts. So he said, like, LOL, Greg, you found me out. I'm also at forever blue shirts. And then responded. They had a whole conversation between each other, even though, again, it's the same fucking person. And I found that really, really adorable this year. It's it's very funny, but that account is just it's never it's not a real thing. It's just a guy tweeting out what he sees online or stuff he thinks could be true. This is the same guy who tweeted me like for weeks that Tyler Bozak was going to be traded to the Rangers and I should stop mocking him for saying that. And Tyler Bozak has not been traded to the Rangers yet, and it's three years later. So uh, don't don't forget, uh, we traded Kevin Hayes for uh, Ellie Tolvanen this year. You didn't know that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. That was a big trade for the Rangers that definitely happened. That would have been nice, turn it out there. <laughs> but it did not. It would have. But you, you want to know how it was never going to happen? Because you just had that reaction to it. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it, because, because I wanted it to happen so bad? That makes sense. I got to say, in hindsight, I'm a lot less harsh on the Zook trade right now. Um depending on if the clauses are met. But I do think that clause where they uh, re-sign them and the Rangers get a first-round pick sounds more likely than I expected, 
sounds like the stars really like him. If he resigns, that's a good trade. You get a first it's round fucking, next Duke. It, I, I, you guys can tell me if I'm crazy. It is shocking to me that the stars are so cavalier about that first round pick that they'd want to resign Zuccarello. I'm, I'm oh, that's why I was originally I'm, so I'm upset. I figured. I figure there's no chance they're going to make the Western Conference Finals, which I still believe. I just don't think they're going to make it that far. And I figured at the time that was just thrown in by the Rangers as a last-ditch effort to get a first-round pick. But now it's sounding like the Stars are legitimately interested in re-signing him. I, I love Zuccarello. I think he's a great player. But I don't think you want to give up that first-round pick, especially because they might not even be a playoff team that year. Like, that's a pretty big price to pay. So if the Rangers can get that first round pick, that's huge. I think that's a great trade. Then I, I was thinking why Dallas would want to do that, right? Like, okay, I'm the GM of Dallas, or I'm the coach of Dallas, and or rather the GM only. Um, and why would I want to resign Zuccarello for a first? Obviously, his talents on the ice. He brings a lot to the ice. He brings his A game almost all the time, unless he's about to get traded, and then you have to kick him in the ass, and he goes. But I guess Dallas. I, I, I'm don't follow Dallas. I don't follow Dallas religiously, obviously. Uh, but they really haven't had it all together. Maybe they need like a veteran locker room guy, which sounds like the dumbest yeah. thing ever. But Zuccarello is notoriously loved, like loved ever like, in the Ranger organization, and he's done a lot. So maybe he would be like a glue piece that Dallas really feels like they need moving forward. I, I know how dumb that yeah, media I... that sounds. No, I mean, I think Dallas, they definitely have culture problems. I mean, their owner called out their captain and Sagan and went nuts on them and everything. And then also they've had so much problem. Like they've just really found it impossible to find a third line mate for their first line or depth. They have no depth. They have no one playing on the first line other than Sagan and Ben. So I think they look at Zook as a big missing piece. And also something to think about is Jim Nill is perpetually on the hot seat. So this could be him saying, okay, I really want to re-sign Zook. Or it could be him saying, I'll leave that clause for the next GM to deal with if I even get there. Like, if he gets fired, it's not his problem. So why not throw in random clauses? If he doesn't want to re-sign Zook, he'll just, if he still has his job, he just won't re-sign him. See, maybe maybe if he keeps his job, he will re-sign him because he wants to, obviously, stay competitive. And Zuccarello, like you're saying, there's those depth issues, and Zuccarello will kind of solve that for them. That first-round pick... Whoever he picks isn't going to be on his team for another two, three years, and he won't be working then. Yeah, but yeah, the, the other so thing that's crazy about all this is Matt Zuccarello has also played 13 minutes for the Dallas Stars so far. And they love him. And yet they seem they seem convinced that they want to bring him back. I know he scored two goals in those 13 – or had two points in those 13 minutes, but it's 13 minutes they've had Matt Zuccarello for before he broke his arm. And they I are think that just means that – it takes 13 minutes to fall in love with Matt Zuccarello. That's a good point. <laughs> he's he's the that great. Like they were in love with him before he even took the ice. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they, they were the team most heavily in rumors from day one. So I don't think this was a trade that came out of nowhere. I think they really liked the player. And if they can re-sign him, I'm all for it. I really want that first-round pick, and that would make it a great trade, especially because I did not like the Hayes trade. Well, out of curiosity, what, what was your dislike with the Hayes trade? It's more about the fact that they traded Hayes than the trade itself. But I'll, I, I'm just big on they just mishandled the whole situation from day one. If you're not going to re-sign him, you got to make that trade in November, December, earlier, get the most for him. And I just think they should have re-signed him. I don't think 
I think the main reason they're not re-signing him is that they don't want to block prospects, but you don't know what those prospects are going to become. If Le- if Leah Anderson becomes Kevin Hayes, I'll, I don't want to say I'll be surprised, but I just, you can't count on that. You can't rely on a player becoming a player who's already established. And the one-two punch of Zibanej and Hayes rebuilding with that one-two punch would be amazing. And I just think Hayes has a lot more to give and has already shown he's getting better every year rather than declining at any point. To get back a first-round pick, I don't consider Lemieux a prospect. I'd call him a third liner for his career at this point. Like, I think he's just a bottom six guy. You can call him a bottom six prospect, but that's not really a prospect at all. Um, And I think they got a fourth too. It's just not really that much. The odds of any of those pieces equaling the value of Hayes at any point, even one season of Hayes is just really pretty low. Kind of, I just didn't think the trade really did much to move the needle at all. I mean, it's better than not trading him and letting him leave as free agent, but at that point, I would have just re-signed him. I will say, independent of whether I would have kept Kevin Hayes long-term or not, uh, if the Rangers had an acceptable offer for Kevin Hayes in November, I'm pretty sure they would have traded him in November. I do think, I'm not accusing you of this, but I do think it's it's easy for anyone to take a step back and say, ah, they they should have traded him when his stock was higher. They could have gotten more for him in November. At the same time, if you're the Winnipeg Jets and you know the bulk of your season, you're already a playoff team. You don't really have to make a whole lot of tweaks to make your team better for the regular season. You're strictly just worried about what your team is going to need in March and April and May. So the reason why, if you're the Jets, you don't want to make that trade in November because, one, your guy might not be healthy anymore. And, two, most importantly, the price in February is probably going to be lower than the price in November. So if if you're the Jets and you're you're safe in where you are as a franchise, you're probably a playoff team with or without Kevin Hayes. And the purpose of adding someone like Kevin Hayes is to elevate your team from just being a playoff team and maybe being a Stanley Cup team. I get why you would want to wait until the deadline to get him at whatever that price will be because in all, in all likelihood it's going to be cheaper because you're paying for less of him. To piggyback so on I, Greg's point I, really quickly, uh, the Ottawa Senators were also imploding and trading two guys that you would have wanted if you were the Jets or other teams. So you really want to see how the Ottawa Senators explode before you trade with the Rangers for a high price. Right, because you have the – I'm not saying you're going to get Mark Stone or you're going to get Matt Duchesne, but you sure would want to make sure you're not going to get them before you take yourself out of that market. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I just personally think if you know, even from day one with a one-year contract, at that point you're pretty much signing up to trade them at the deadline, like you guys are kind of alluding to. You're just not going to get that good of a deal at the deadline. I think we kind of knew it when he signed that one-year deal, you're not going to get, especially because of how bad the Senators are and that there were other options on the market, you're not going to get multiple first-round picks. You're not going to get an Eric Brandstrom or anything. Not that Hayes is worth an Eric Brandstrom, but he's worth more than a first-round pick, a third-liner, and a fourth-round pick. So I just don't think they got full value out of him. And 
if a rebuild isn't getting full value out of your players, I'm not sure what it is. But at the same time, are we sure that the Rangers were ever going to get more for Kevin Hayes? Because quite honestly, in the last 12 months, there haven't been very many deals constructed that netted a team more value than the Rangers got for Kevin Hayes. I don't think the Rangers were ever going to make a Kevin Hayes trade that would have satisfied me. Okay, that's fair. Is Which is fair. That is, that is 100% <laughs> fair. The value is always higher in re-signing him, in my opinion. Brendan, I wanted to take this time to say, if uh, do you have anything you would like to speak about with us Ranger-wise that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, we actually just covered it. I had some updated thoughts on the Zuccarello trade that at the time I was very upset about the trade, not because they traded Zuccarello. I, obviously, everyone, everyone was, kind of was on the same yes. page that it was time to do so. Mm-hmm. But first seeing the trade, I thought it was really low value for him. But if they can get that first round pick, which it seems like is becoming more likely than not, I, I wouldn't go that far necessarily, but it's becoming a definite possibility. It's a good trade. You get a first-round pick for Zuccarello. That's what we all wanted. So uh, kind of backtracking on my previous thoughts on that trade, but we'll see what happens. If they don't get the first-round pick, I'm back in the camp of it being a bad trade. <laughs> well, I, I'll big say about moves. the Zuccarello trade. I felt a lot better about it as soon as I saw what the Red Wings got for Gustav Nyquist, who quite oh, yeah. as much as I love Zook, I if I'm a contender, I probably would have preferred Nyquist. And Nyquist didn't even bring back two seconds. So as soon as, let alone a chance at a first round pick, I think the Red Wings only got a second and a future third. And again, I'd, of the two players, I'd rather have Nyquist right now than Zuccarello. This was pre-injury. So as soon as I saw that deal, I just think that was the market for wingers. I'm not saying NHL GMs got smarter, but first round picks were hard to get this year. I think... Outside of Hayes, I think only one other first-round pick was traded, and it was one of the three the Sabres had for an under-contract 24-year-old defenseman. Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to think if um, – was did the Duchesne deal have a first in it or no? I believe Duchesne, uh, Duchesne did, I believe. I think it did, but that's still a different camp than Zuccarello in terms of talent. Correct. Um, but the other thing I will say is if the Rangers go into this season with Kreider in the same contract situation as Hayes was this past season, that's a big no, no. They either yeah, got to sign him or trade him this off season. That's yeah. I, two, two I, that, on that, that one, I agree with you 100%. Now's a good time I, for me to say, Greg, it's time to talk about Chris Kreider. You asked me to remind you. Oh, right. Um, and I think Brandon will like this opinion too. Why do we give a shit about who's going to be the next Ranger captain? Oh, thank you for saying that. <laughs> why, why, does, why does anyone actually give a flying fuck about who's going to be the next Ranger captain? It's, why is it important? I, I tweeted about that today. All I have seen all season is some guy steps up, makes a big hit, or says something good in the media, or does this or that. This guy should be the next captain. I've seen Zibanejad. I've seen Jesper Faust, who plays like 14 minutes a night on the third line. I've seen... Someone actually said Mark Stahl, which kind of made me sick a little. Um, I've seen Sabanajad. I've seen Kreider. I just don't – I don't want to say I don't care because I do appreciate the value of a captain and I appreciate the what it means to a fan base. But we're, it feels like Rangers fans are desperate for a new captain 
and I don't think anyone on the roster really is there. And I don't think that it matters right now. You're going to captain a ship that's clearly sinking. So what, what does it matter? I think you're a captain or you're not. It's, you know, like how you know if you're cool or not. Like, I know I'm not cool, right? We get it. It's cool. But if someone's cool, they know. Hey, I'm cool. You're either like, everyone knows who the captain is or you just don't. Like, everyone knows Hank is the captain, but he can't because he's the goalie. That's it. Right. And like Ryan McDonough, everyone knew for like two or three years going into him being named captain, he was the next captain. Rick Nash said it in like six separate interviews. He was like, yeah, Ryan McDonough is going to be the next in line. Ryan Callahan, everyone knew it was coming. Chris Drury, he's Chris Drury. Like, you know when a guy is the captain. I don't think anyone's looking at Mika Zibanejad and saying, like, this guy is the clear leader of the team. We're talking about the Stephen McDonald Award now that it uh, got announced that you can start voting for it. I haven't seen two people say the same guy other than Henrik Lundqvist. Henrik Lundqvist is the captain of the Rangers right now. He just doesn't have the C on his jersey. So give it a few years, some new guy will come along or some prospect will develop or this or that, and they'll have a new captain and everyone will be happy. But for now, it's better with multiple alternatives, especially with, uh, with the rebuild going on as it is. You want to have multiple voices in the locker room for prospects to listen to. I would argue right now, better the team doesn't have a captain because you don't want one guy's voice kind of getting more importance over the rest when – Everyone needs to have a voice. Everyone needs to be heard. Agree. Brandon, yeah, I well, but uh, I also think there's there's something about the C that I think fans see it and they just think that the player himself is more valuable now. Like <laughs> If Mika Zibanejad or Chris Kreider have a C on their jersey, they're still just Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, which are very good hockey players and winning hockey players that you can build the future with. But their value doesn't change. And I feel like yeah. Ranger fans forget that the letter doesn't make the player. And I feel like that's where some of the the arguments come from. It's it's always about, is Chris Kreider a captain? I don't fucking know. What is a fucking captain? We don't really know. I don't know what really happens when the, when the game leaves the ice. I, I see the interviews. I know which guys give fun sound bites. I know which guys don't mind if they're angry in front of reporters. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. It doesn't really yeah, if we're do basing it off anything. of interviews, then I would say Dan Boyle should have been captain based on his interview when he left the Rangers. He should have been the captain all along. <laughs> no one likes you, Larry. <laughs> and I like Larry, actually, but it was funny. Brandon, what, before we let you go out and get out of here, we're actually going to end the show with you here. Why don't you plug your Twitter and what you do? Uh, my Twitter is BrandonCo4, and I... In terms of on Twitter, oh, I troll people a lot. Yeah, there it goes. So if you want to follow Brendan on Twitter, you can do that. Hey, and if you're free, Brendan, and if anyone out there else out there is free, on April 13th, Blue Shirts Breakaway will be hosting a Q&A end-of-season wrap-up uh, place in the city that Greg will tell me in a second, which we just booked two days ago. Uh, uh, it's the speakeasy room at the gin mill. It'll be a very nice little event. It'll sit to $10 to come join us for a Q&A section. I think we might be teaming up with some other shows, maybe some Nick stuff, maybe some other things, maybe some other surprises. So if you want to stop by April 13th, New York City, we will be there. Thank you, Greg. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow Greg at Twitter, uh, at Blue Shirts Break. I am at O'Ryan Mead. And from Brandon Cohen, Greg Kaplan, and Ryan Mead, we love you all. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.